Hi, friends. Have you ever said to yourself, I would like a career in radio announcing? If the answer to that is yes, then you're going about it in the wrong way. You should say it to someone else. What does it take to become a radio announcer? Well, actually, it takes many things. Do you own your own voice? Can you say six silly words without laughing and mean them? Do you have a lot of money? Well, if so, you qualify for enrollment in the Golden Voice Announcer School. I'll bet that you'd never guess from the sound of my voice that I am actually a 67-year-old deaf-mute woman and that only nine short years ago I heard a commercial just like this one and was inspired to climb out of my deathbed and enroll. As soon as my check for $13,000 was received, classes began. In addition to announcing, our voice training course will teach you to impersonate TV and motion picture stars like this. <clears throat> Howdy, partner, I'm John Wayne. Or... <clears throat> Howdy, partner. I'm Natalie Wood. Isn't that exciting? You can learn to do many other famous persons' voices, like Stanley L. Spiro, Carl Betts, Elena Verdugo, Ferrante and Teicher, or the all-time favorite, Don DeFore. Here's how to take advantage of this limited offer. Send $13,000 and any priceless heirloom to Golden Voice Announcer School, care of Phil's Barbershop, Waco, Texas. And as a bonus, if you sign up immediately, you will receive an actual recording of Dick Clark way back in 1956, stuttering and unable to pronounce the word nope. Here is an excerpt from that recording. Okay, Dick, take 28 coming up. Try to relax now, will you, pal? The word is nope. N-O-P-E, nope. Right, all right, let's hit it. No, no. 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 All right, Dick, that's, uh, it's good. It's, it's coming. Uh, take 29. All right, Dick, yeah, that's, uh, lunch, lunch one hour. In addition, for those of you who happen to be listening to this message on a radio, here is a special offer. You will receive your first lesson free if you can identify this photograph of our mystery person. Now, here's a clue to help you out. The first part's true. The second's a lie. The third remains the same. Put them together and take them apart, and then you will have my name. How can we guarantee that after taking our course, you will have a perfect speaking voice? The answer is simple. Each of our students has an amplifying device surgically inserted in his throat. We call this device our big boy voice. And it is hardly noticeable because externally it resembles half a bow tie. So don't delay. Send your check today and get in on the high-paying action as a famous radio personality. And remember our slogan, if it weren't for your mouth, you'd be talking out of your nose. What kind of a sick school is this? Things are afoot at the Circle K. You're going to need a bigger boat. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. You got spunk. I hate spunk. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Oh, righty. How you doing? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Say hello to my little friend. 
I love to celebrate from in the morning. What are you people? On dope? Stop whining. I got a crap on deck that can choke a donkey. Hey! Who is your daddy? I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Can I do that? I'll be back. A Daniel man! Show me the money! Don't! Up your nose when you have a hole. A what? I'm sailing! I'm sailing! Groovy. You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it. Pull it down. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Here's looking at you, kid. We got no food, we got no jobs, our pets' heads are falling off! Go to the coast, we get together, have a few laughs. Hear that, Elizabeth? I'm coming to join you, honey! I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. I love it when a plan comes together. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. We're on a mission from God. Welcome to the Ponderosa, my friends, for an evening of songs and stories about the American West, a land of legend, of romance, of friendship and loyalty and courage, a motherload of remembrance, a true bonanza. Lady Luck till we finally struck Bonanza With a gun and a rope and a hat full of hope We planted our family tree We got a hold of a pot full of gold Bonanza With a horse and a saddle and a ring full of cattle How rich can a fella be? On this land we put our brand How trite is the name Fortune smiled the day we piled the Ponderosa claim Here in the West we're living in the best Bonanza If anyone fights any one of us He's gonna fight with me And Joe and Adam know every rock and pine. No one works, fights, or eats like those boys of mine. Here we stand in the middle of a grand bonanza. With a gun and a rope and a hat full of hope, we planted our family tree. We got a hold of a pot full of gold bonanza. With a house full of friends with a rainbow ends, how rich can a fella be? On this land we put our brand, our pride is the name. Fortune smiled the day we filed the Ponderosa claim. Here in the West, we're living in the best bonanza. The friendliest, whiteness, lovingest band that ever set foot in a promised land. And we're happier than them all. That's why we call it Bonanza. That was the Bonanza TV theme, as sung by the show's star, Lauren Green. We'll play the show's actual theme and talk more about Bonanza later on in the program. And before that was the late, great Gary Owens, who's probably most famous for being the announcer on the hugely famous sketch comedy show, Rowan and Martin's Laughing. Welcome to Then Is Now. I am your host, Rigor. Today we've got another spectacular presentation of classic TV themes, as well as my take on old and new shows that you should be watching. So get ready, class is in session.
I have a bad feeling about this. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? Hey, you in my class? I am today. I think you should consider transferring to shop class. Now, now, very few students are severely injured in shop class. Bueller. When you were in school. Bueller. Did you ever cut class? Bueller. Yeah, I guess I did. Sure, most kids cut classes. Good, sign this. Um, hit this. I get so lonely when I hear that third attendance bell ring and all my kids are not here. Seven years of college down the drain. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. We lack discipline. As long as I'm here, there will be no grades or gold stars or demerits. We're going to have recess all the time. Woo! Go, play, and have fun now. Okay, first up today are some classic and modern shows that you should be watching. First up in the classic shows segment is The Odd Couple. Based on the Neil Simon play and the movie of the same name starring Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau, The Odd Couple TV show is a sitcom that ran from September 24, 1970 to March 7, 1975 on ABC. It stars Tony Randall as Felix Unger and Jack Klugman as Oscar Madison, who was the first and was the first of several sitcoms developed by Gary Marshall for Paramount Television. Felix and Oscar are both divorced. They share a Manhattan apartment and their different lifestyles inevitably lead to conflicts and laughs. Felix is an OCD guy whose neatness and tidiness drives lifelong slob Oscar crazy. The theme was composed by Neil Hefty, who also composed the famous Batman TV theme. If you haven't had a chance to see the Odd Couple movie, it's hilarious, and the TV show is equally as funny. One of the most popular sitcoms to this day, The Brady Bunch, was created by Sherwood Schwartz and aired from September 26, 1969 to March 8, 1974 on ABC. The series revolves around a large, blended family with six children. Considered one of the last of the old-style family sitcoms, the series aired for five seasons and, after its cancellation in 74, went into syndication in September of 1975. While the series was never a critical success or hit series during its original run, it has since become a popular staple in syndication, especially among children and teenage viewers. This is an example of another type of theme song that outlines the show's premise in the intro and was composed by Frank Duvall. The Brady Bunch was on all the time when I was a kid and can still be seen on MeTV. If you haven't had a chance to check it out with your family, I highly recommend it because Brady Bunch is just so much fun and again... Like we talked about last week, it's good, clean family fun. And maybe the kids will learn a lesson or two. Or maybe not. Here's a story of a lovely lady Who was bringing up three very lovely girls All of them had hair of gold Like their mother, the youngest one in curls Here's a story of a man named Brady Who was busy with three boys of his own Group must somehow form a family 
That's the way we all became the Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch. That's the way we became the Brady Bunch. Okay, the last of the classic TV shows we're going to talk about today that you should be watching is connected to the end of the last episode where I played its theme. It's The Dick Van Dyke Show, which ran from October 3rd, 1961 to June 1st, 1966, with a total of 158 half-hour episodes spanning five seasons. The show was created by Carl Reiner and starred Dick Van Dyke, Rosemary, Maury Amsterdam, Larry Matthews, and Mary Tyler Moore. It centered on the work and home life of television comedy writer Rob Petrie, played by Van Dyke. The show was produced by Reiner with Bill Persky and Sam Denoff. The music for the show's theme song was written by Earl Hagen. All of these three classic shows can be seen on Hulu, although Hulu doesn't have all of the Odd Couple episodes, and that's probably due to uh, rights issues with music played in certain episodes. So pull them up or find them on TV wherever you can get them, get the family together, and enjoy some classic comedies. Now, on to some modern shows that you should be watching. All three are based on comic books, and first up is The Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol follows the unlikely heroes of the eponymous team who all receive their powers through tragic circumstances and are generally shunned by society. Most members of the team were treated by the chief, a medical doctor who gave them residence in his mansion to help protect them from the outside world. Their name derives from an earlier Doom Patrol team that was formed by the chief. The first members of the Doom Patrol to be introduced in the series are Jane, the dominant identity of a traumatized woman with dissociative identity disorder. Rita Farr, who struggles to prevent her body from turning into a gelatinous state. Larry Trainer, who has an entity of negative energy living inside of him. And Cliff Steele, whose brain was placed in a robot body following a car crash. The team is later joined by cybernetically enhanced superhero Vic Stone, a.k.a. Cyborg. In the first season, the Chief is captured by the malevolent Mr. Nobody, sending the Doom Patrol on a journey to rescue him. Along the way, they discover secrets about themselves and the Chief. In the second season, after rescuing the Chief's powerful daughter, Dorothy, the team tries to find a way to prolong his life so he can continue caring for her. Doom Patrol is so offbeat that it's not for everyone's taste. Like, there are creatures called scants that get into your brain and 
cause you to make bad decisions, as well as monsters called butts that are shaped like, well, butts, except they have razor-sharp teeth and are carnivorous. <laughs> I, I, I love Doom Patrol, and I was hooked right from the beginning. You might be too if you're into something offbeat. Next up is Titans. Titans is a television series created by Akiva Goldsman, Jeff Johns, and Greg Berlanti. Based on the DC Comics team Teen Titans, the series depicts a group of young heroes who join forces in their fight against evil. Featured as members of the eponymous Titans are Dick Grayson, played by Brenton Thwaites, Corey Anders, played by Anna Diop, Rachel Roth, played by Tegan Croft, Garfield Logan, played by Ryan Potter, Jason Todd is played by Karan Walters, Donna Troy is played by Connor Leslie, Hank Hall is played by Alan Richardson, Don Granger played by Mina Kelly, Rose Wilson played by Chelsea Zhang, and Connor is played by Joshua Orpin. Titans follows the young superheroes of the eponymous team as they combat evil and other perils. Disbanded when the story begins, the series sees the team return when the original and new members reform the Titans. The Titans fight crime throughout various locations including Detroit and San Francisco. The first members to appear in the series are Batman's former vigilante partner Dick Grayson, aka Robin, extraterrestrial Corey Anders, empath Rachel Roth, and shapeshifter Garfield Gar Logan. Dick is later revealed as one of the original Titans alongside half-Amazon Donna Troy and crime-fighting duo Don Granger and Hank Hall, also known as Hawk and Dove. After the Titans reform, the team is joined by Batman's new partner Jason Todd, the new Robin, assassin Rose Wilson, and genetic clone Connor. This show does a nice deep dive into the DC universe. And for comic fans and, and non-comic fans alike, it's very much worth watching. I really enjoyed it. And I, again, much like Doom Patrol, I was glued to the set. It's not as rated R as, uh, let's say, The Boys. And it's not as offbeat as Doom Patrol. It's a bit more mainstream. And I think wider audiences will enjoy it. Although it is definitely in the rated r area if if you're looking for something like the flash it's very similar except that there's a lot of swearing and more violence and blood which i'm not complaining about i really enjoy that both titans and doom patrol are on the dc universe app as of this recording however in january of 2021 they will be moving to hbo max so if you get a chance to check them out please do i i highly recommend them both doom patrol and titans have had two seasons and as far as I know, they're moving into a third each. Finally, moving over to Marvel, we have Hellstrom. Hellstrom. 
Hellstrom is a streaming television series created for Hulu by Paul Zabuski, based on the Marvel Comics character Damon Hellstrom, a.k.a. the Son of Satan, and his sister Anna, a.k.a. Satana. It tells a standalone story within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, also known as the MCU. The series is produced by Marvel Television and ABC Signature Studios, with Zabuski serving as showrunner. Tom Austin and Sidney Lemon respectively star as Damon and Anna Hellstrom, the children of a powerful serial killer who hunt the worst of humanity and get into a lot of encounters much like Supernatural. The show is a bit of a slow burn at first, but by the third episode things really take off and it's another one that I highly recommend because it, it delves into the dark corners of the MCU. spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. Okay, folks, due to time constraints, we're not going to be able to have a TV Guide listing segment for you this week. So instead, we are just going to move straight on to our classic TV show themes segment, part two. Okay, welcome to part two of classic TV show themes. These are theme songs that everyone should know, even if you haven't seen the show itself. They're iconic, and most TV shows today don't have cool themes like that anymore. So we're going to pick up where we left off last time with TV westerns.
That was the Big Valley theme composed by George Dunning, and before that we had The Rifleman. Now, The Big Valley is a Western drama television series that ran on ABC from September 15, 1965 to May 19, 1969. The series is set in the mid to late 1800s on the fictional Barkley Ranch in Stockton, California. The one-hour episodes follow the lives of the Barkley family, one of the wealthiest and largest ranch-owning families in Stockton, led by matriarch Victoria Barkley, played by Barbara Stanwyck, and her sons, Jared, Heath, and Nick, played by Richard Long, Lee Majors, and Peter Breck, respectively, as well as daughter Audra, who's played by Linda Evans. The series begins about six years after the death of the family patriarch, Thomas Barkley. Although he's never actually shown in the series, other than in a painting, the character of Thomas Barkley is referred to as a major plot point many times. The character of Heath Barkley is introduced in Episode 1 as the illegitimate son of Tom Barkley. His presence and claim to the Barkley family is the focus of many of the dramatic plots in Season 1. While the successful and rich are often portrayed in present day as the unscrupulous villains, the Barkley family is portrayed as the upstanding citizens of Stockton, modeling justice, fairness, and oftentimes going against popular sentiment to uphold the underdog's rights. The theme was composed by George Durning. Now, The Rifleman is a Western television program starring Chuck Connors as rancher Lucas McCain and Johnny Crawford as his son Mark McCain. It was set in the 1880s in the fictional town of North Fork, New Mexico Territory. The program was titled to reflect McCain's use of a Winchester Model 1892 rifle customized to allow repeated firing by cycling its lever action. An anachronism because the model wasn't manufactured until after the period of the show's setting. Connors demonstrated this technique in the opening credits of every episode, as well as a second modification that allowed him to cycle the action with one hand using a technique known as spin cocking. It was one of the first primetime series on U.S. television to show a single parent raising a child. Herschel Burke Gilbert was a prolific orchestrator, musical supervisor, and composer of film and television scores and theme songs, including The Rifleman, Dick Powell's Zane Grey Theater, and The Detectives, starring Robert Taylor. Up next is Bonanza, a Western television series that ran on NBC from September 12, 1959 to January 16, 1973. Lasting 14 seasons and 431 episodes, Bonanza is NBC's longest-running Western and ranks overall as the second longest-running Western series on U.S. network TV behind CBS's Gunsmoke and within the top 10 longest-running live-action American series of all time. The show continues to air in syndication. It's set in the 1860s and centers on the wealthy Cartwright family who live in the vicinity of Virginia City, Nevada, bordering Lake Tahoe. The series initially starred Lorne Green, Pernell Roberts, Dan Blocker, and Michael Landon, and later featured at various times Guy Williams, David Canary, Mitch Vogel, and Tim Matheson. The show is known for presenting pressing moral dilemmas. Bonanza's theme was composed by Jay Livingston and Ray Evans. The title Bonanza is a term used by miners in regard to a large vein or deposit of silver ore from the Spanish word bonanza, which means prosperity, and commonly refers to the 1859 revelation of the Comstock load of rich silver ore mines under the town of Virginia City, not far from the fictional Ponderosa Ranch that the Cartwright family operated. The show's theme song, also titled Bonanza, became a hit song. Only instrumental renditions, absent Ray Evans's lyrics, were used during the series' long run. You heard earlier in the show, at the very beginning, I should say, Lorne Green, the main star of the show, singing the theme song. The show chronicles the weekly adventures of the Cartwright family, headed by the thrice-widowed patriarch Ben Cartwright, Lorne Green. 
He had three sons, each by a different wife. The eldest was the urbane architect Adam Cartwright, Pernell Roberts, who built the ranch house. The second was the warm and lovable giant Eric Haas Cartwright, played by Dan Blocker, and the youngest was the hothead and impetuous Joseph or Little Joe, played by Michael Landon. The family lived on a thousand square mile ranch called the Ponderosa on the eastern shore of Lake Tahoe in Nevada, opposite California on the edge of the Sierra Nevada range. The ranch name refers to the Ponderosa Pine, common in the West. The nearest town to the Ponderosa was Virginia City, where the Cartwrights would go to converse with Sheriff Roy Coffey, played by veteran actor Ray Teal, or his deputy, Clem Foster, played by Bing Russell. Bonanza was considered an atypical Western for its time, as the core of the storylines dealt less about the range and more with Ben and his three dissimilar sons and how they cared for one another, their neighbors, and just causes. the theme from Rawhide, and before that, Bonanza. Rawhide is a Western TV series starring Eric Fleming and Clint Eastwood. Set in the 1860s, Rawhide portrays the challenges faced by the drovers of cattle drive. Most episodes are introduced with a monologue by Gil Favor, portraying Eric Fleming, the trail boss. In a typical Rawhide story, the drovers come upon people on the trail and involve themselves in other people's affairs, usually encountering various and sundry corrupt individuals. Many times, one or more of the crew venture into a nearby town and encounter some trouble from crooked townspeople or lawless politicians from which they need to be rescued. Rowdy Yates, played by Clint Eastwood, was young and at times impetuous in the earliest episodes, and Favor had to keep a tight rein on him. The theme was sung by Frankie Lane, who is known for creating many Western themes, including the hilarious Mel Brooks comedy Blazing Saddles. Hello, this is Rod Barnett. I'm the host of The Bloody Pit, the podcast that examines films from across the decades. On The Bloody Pit, we have several ongoing series of shows within the show focused on specific things in genre cinema that I and my co-hosts find fascinating. There's a long-running series focused on Italian maestro Antonio Margheriti's films from the 1960s all the way up through 1990. There's an on-again, off-again series focused on 1970s science fiction films. 
There's an in-depth look at the Western movies that William Castle made before he struck out on his own and became the horror auteur that we know and love. A look at the classic Coffin Joe films from Brazil. And our long-term project to look at every universal horror film made in the 1940s. That's a long project, people. It's going to take us a long time. Sprinkled in amongst those are various other episodes focused on other stranger areas of cinema, like uh, Lucio Fulci, Dario Argento, and even some obscure British crime films from time to time. So join me and my rotating crew of co-hosts as we examine the stranger side of cinema through an exploitation lens. Except when we don't? Yeah, you never really know exactly what to expect on The Bloody Pit. So join me for The Bloody Pit. the theme from Branded, a Western series that aired on NBC from 1965 through 1966. The series is set in the post-Civil War Old West. The show starred Chuck Connors, again, as Jason McCord, a United States Army cavalry captain who has been court-martialed and drummed out of the service following an unjust accusation of cowardice. The show's theme was composed by Dominic Frontier and Richard Markowitz. Up next is Daniel Boone, an action-adventure television series starring Fess Parker as Daniel Boone that aired from September 24, 1964 to May 7, 1970 on NBC for 165 episodes. Ed Ames co-starred as Mingo, Boone's Cherokee friend, for the first four seasons of the series. Albert Sami portrayed Boone's companion Yadkin in season one only. Country Western singer-actor Jimmy Dean was a featured actor as Josh Clements during the 1968-1970 seasons. Actor and former NFL football player Rosie Greer made regular appearances as Gabe Cooper in the 69-70 to 70 season. The show was broadcast, quote, in living color, close quote, beginning in the fall of 65, the second season, and was shot entirely in California and Kanab, Utah. Daniel Boone was a man, yes, a big man, with an eye like an eagle and as tall as a mountain was he. Yes, a big man. He was brave, he was fearless, and as tough as a mighty oak tree. From the coonskin cap on the top of old Dan to the heel of his rawhide shoe. The ribbonest, roaringest, fightingest man the frontier ever knew. Daniel Boone was a man. Yes, a big man. What a boom, what a doer, what a dream come a truer was he. 
You just heard the Wild Wild West theme, and before that, Daniel Boone. The Wild Wild West was a Western espionage and science fiction TV series that ran on the CBS television network for four seasons from September 17, 1965 to April 11, 1969. Two satirical comedy television films were made with the original cast in 1979 and 1980, and the series was adapted for a really crappy theatrical film in 1999 starring Will Smith. Set during the administration of President Ulysses Grant from 1869 to 1877, the series followed Secret Service agents James West, played by Robert Conrad, and Artemis Gordon, played by Ross Martin, as they solved crimes, protected the president, and foiled the plans of megalomaniacal villains to take over part or all of the U.S. The show featured a number of fantasy elements, such as the technologically advanced devices used by the agents and their adversaries. The combination of the Victorian-era time frame and the use of Jules Verne-esque technology have led several steampunk websites to cite the show as a pioneering influence on the steampunk genre. Now, I found this piece of information very interesting because even though it had high ratings, the series was canceled near the end of its fourth season as a concession to Congress over television violence. Come on, people. That's just ridiculous. Anyways, if you get a chance to check out The Wild Wild West, it's really entertaining. So, coming up is The Lone Ranger, a classic that everyone should know. Hey folks, I just wanted to take a minute here to tell you about the hosting service that we use at Haven Podcasts. Podserve.fm Podcast hosting has never been easier. They do all the work to get your podcast on Apple Podcasts and other major podcast networks. They help you navigate the podcasting world, whether you're brand new or have years of experience. Folks, I can't tell you how happy I am with their service. When I first started this podcast, I searched around intensely for the right hosting platform. I found PodServe and used their simple four-step process, and in a short amount of time, my podcasts were on the internet and available through all the major podcast networks. And their customer support is unreal. Every time I goof things up and make a mistake like uh, posting the wrong show to the wrong feed? I email them, and I kid you not, within minutes I get a response and the problem is resolved. And they're the only podcasting host that actually helps you get listeners. Other podcast hosts stop at Podcast Upload and don't help promote your podcast. Well, PodServe makes sure your podcast is seen by thousands of people. The promotion is free, and they put you on PodParadise.com, which has over 5,000 visits a day from avid podcast listeners and is growing every day. Each day, Pod Paradise selects five podcasts to spotlight on their front page. Maybe yours could be there soon. PodSurf's pricing is simple. Only 19 bucks a month. That's it. No tiered pricing platform, just one low fee. For 19 bucks a month, you get unlimited storage, unlimited podcasts, free podcast promotion, your podcasts on all platforms, detailed download analytics, one-on-one customer support. You pay month to month, and you can cancel at any time. And... When you sign up, you get 14 days free. You don't even have to give them your credit card. I love their service so much, I put a reminder in my phone to add my credit card when the 14 days was almost up. I couldn't give them my 19 bucks fast enough. I'm telling you, I, I really didn't believe it until I actually signed up and saw my podcasts on everything from iTunes to Stitcher and Spotify and more in a ridiculously short amount of time. So if you've got a podcast and you don't have a hosting platform, I highly recommend podserve.fm. Check them out. Ranger! 
course with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Hayo Silver. The Lone Ranger. Hayo Silver! With his faithful Indian companion, Tonto, the daring and resourceful masked rider of the plains, led the fight for law and order in the early West. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. The Lone Ranger rides again. Ranger is a Western drama television series that aired on the ABC television network from 1949 to 1957, with Clayton Moore in the starring role. Jay Silverheels, a member of the Mohawk Aboriginal people in Canada, played the Lone Ranger's Indian companion, Tonto. The fictional storyline maintains that a patrol of six Texas Rangers is massacred, with only one member surviving. The lone survivor thereafter disguises himself with a black mask and travels with Tonto throughout Texas and the American West to assist those challenged by the lawless elements. A silver mine supplies the Lone Ranger with the name of his horse, as well as the funds required to finance his wandering lifestyle and the raw materials for his signature silver bullets. At the end of most episodes, after the Lone Ranger and Tonto leave, someone asks the sheriff or another person of authority, who was that masked man? The person then responds, why that? was the Lone Ranger. Then we hear the ranger yelling, Are you silver? as he and Tonto ride away on their horses. Fred Foy, who had been both narrator and announcer of the radio series from 1948 until its ending, was the announcer. Gerald Moore was originally employed as the narrator for the TV series, but story narration was dropped after 16 episodes. The Lone Ranger was the highest rated television program on ABC in the early 1950s and its first true hit. The opening theme is the classical music piece, The William Tell Overture, composed by Gioacchino Rossini. Up next is The Roy Rogers Show, a Western TV series that broadcast 100 episodes on NBC for six seasons between December 30th, 1951 and June 9th, 1957. The show starred Roy Rogers as a ranch owner, Dale Evans as the proprietress of the Eureka Cafe and Hotel in fictional Mineral City, and Pat Brady as Roy's sidekick and Dale's cook. Brady's Jeep Nellie Bell at times had a mind of her own and sped away driverless with Brady in frantic pursuit on foot. The animal stars were Roy's Palomino horse, Trigger, and his German shepherd bullet, The Wonder Dog. As with many other Western films of the 1930s to the 50s, The Roy Rogers Show featured cowboys and cowgirls riding horses and carrying six-shooters. But unlike traditional westerns, the series had a contemporary setting with automobiles, telephones, and electric lighting. No attempt was made in the scripts to explain or even justify the strange amalgamation of 19th century characters with 20th century technology. Typical episodes followed the stars as they rescued the weak and helpless from the clutches of dishonest lawmen, con artists, bank robbers, claim jumpers, rustlers, and other bad guys. In addition to traditional Western plot themes, such as cattle rustling and bank robberies, the program featured more contemporary topics, including gun safety and conservation of natural resources. Many of the shows expressed a moral, and several even preached a Christian message. The show's end theme song was Happy Trails by Roy Rogers and his wife, Dale Evans, for the 1940s and 50s radio program, as well as the 1950s television show in which they starred. It was written by Evans, 
and always sung by the duo over the end credits of those programs. Happy Trails was released in 1952 as a 78 RPM and 45 RPM by Rogers and Evans with the Whippoorwills and Orchestra on RCA Victor Records. It was reissued in 1957 as a 45 RPM on RCA Victor Bluebird. Members of the Western Writers of America chose it as the t- one of the top 100 Western songs of all time. Now, Roy Rogers is also referenced in the amazing action film Die Hard, in which Bruce Willis's character John McClane says, yippee mother to the bad guy Hans Gruber, as well as saying, happy trails, Hans, after the bad guy is dispatched. McLean also tells police officer Al Powell to call him Roy as a code name over the radios they are communicating on to hide his identity from the bad guys. Happy trails to you Until we meet again Happy trails to you Keep smiling until then Who cares about the clouds if we're together Just sing a song and bring the sunny weather Happy trails to you Always a pleasant song, that Happy Trails. Now get ready for some spy action with Secret Agent, a.k.a. Danger Man, and Mission Impossible. There's a man who leads a life of danger To everyone he meets, he stays a stranger that you find A pretty face can hide an evil mind Oh, be careful what you say Or you give yourself away Odds are you won't live to see tomorrow
just heard two of the most widely known spy TV themes that are still used today. The song Secret Agent Man was written by P.F. Sloan and Steve Barry. The most famous recording of the song was made by Johnny Rivers for the opening titles of the American broadcast of the British spy series Danger Man, which aired in the U.S. as Secret Agent from 1964 to 1966. The song itself peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100. Secret Agent is a British television series that was broadcast between 1960 and 1962 and again between 64 and 68. The series featured Patrick McGowan as Secret Agent John Drake. Ralph Smart created the program and wrote many of the scripts. Ian Fleming, the famous author of the James Bond novels, was brought in to collaborate on series development but left before development was complete. Like James Bond, the main character is a globe-trotting British spy, although one who works for NATO rather than MI6, who cleverly extricates himself from life-threatening situations and introduces himself as Drake, John Drake. Fleming was replaced by Ian Stewart Black, and a new format-slash-character initially called Lone Wolf was developed. This evolved into Danger Man. After Patrick McGowan was cast, he also affected character developments. A key difference from Bond traces to the family-oriented star's preferences. No firearms, with few rare exceptions such as episode 26, The Journey Ends Halfway, and no outright seduction of female co-stars, though Drake did engage in low-key romances in a few episodes. Mission Impossible is a television series created and initially produced by Bruce Geller, chronicling the exploits of a team of secret government agents known as the Impossible Missions Force. In the first season, the team is led by Dan Briggs, played by Stephen Hill. Jim Phelps takes charge for the remaining seasons, played by Peter Graves. Each episode opens with a fast-paced montage of shots from that episode, which unfolds as the series theme music plays, composed by Lalo Schifrin, after which Briggs or Phelps receives his instructions from a voice delivered on a recording, which then destroys itself. The series was financed and filmed by Desilu Productions and aired on CBS from September 1966 to March 1973. It was revived in 1988 for two seasons on ABC, retaining only graves in the cast. It also inspired a series of theatrical motion pictures starring Tom Cruise beginning in 1996. The series follows the exploits of the Impossible Missions Force, or IMF, a small team of secret agents used for covert missions against dictators, evil organizations, and primarily in later episodes, crime lords. On occasion, the IMF also mounts unsanctioned private missions on behalf of its members. The identities of the higher echelons of the organization that oversees the IMF are never revealed. Only rare cryptic bits of information are ever provided during the life of the series, such as the third season mission, Nicole, where the IMF leader states that his instructions come from Division 7. Now, Lalo Schifrin's another person who will have to do an entire show on in a future episode. His Mission Impossible theme is unique because it was written in an uncommon time signature. In fact, he composed most of the background music for the series, which you can also hear shades of in Michael Giacchino's scores for Mission Impossible 3 and Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Well, howdy, partner. How can I help you today? I'm looking for a movie to watch, but I... What in tarnation was that? Never you mind, son. Now let's focus on your needs here. I'm looking for something to watch, but I want something I ain't seen yet. Yeah. Ooh, watch yourself there, partner. Why, well, I reckon you've come to the right place. You've come to the place where the East meets the West. The East meets the West? Where is that, and how's that going to help me? 
Ooh, that was close. You better duck. I don't understand what's going on here. It's like I'm in a place where kung fu and cowboys have combined somehow. Well, that's right, partner. You're going to find some offbeat films here, no doubt about that. Host Rigor is going to take you on a journey to discover not only the hundreds of amazing martial arts films of Hong Kong's Shaw Brothers, but also at least spaghetti westerns. Spaghetti westerns? Is that some kind of joke? No, sir. Western movies made in Italy from the 60s to the 80s are called spaghetti westerns, and that's a fact. You can find The East Meets the West on all the major podcasting apps, as well as HavenPodcast.com. Well, thank you kindly, sir. You done settled my entertainment needs, even though it's a tad dangerous in your store. Like I said, go to your podcasting apps or go to HavenPodcast.com. The East Meets the West. Your new favorite ranch to hang out at. Now on to a show that aired in the 1960s with a newer version that started in 2010 and ran for 10 seasons. You guessed it, Hawaii Five O. It was a procedural drama series produced by CBS Productions and created by Leonard Freeman. Set in Hawaii, the show originally aired for 12 seasons from 1968 to 1980 and continues in reruns. At the airing of its last episode, it was the longest-running police drama in American television history. The show starred Jack Lord as Detective Captain Stephen Steve McGarrett the head of a special state-run police task force in Hawaii, which was based on an actual unit that existed under martial law after World War II. The theme music is an instrumental piece composed by Morton Stevens, which became especially popular. Many episodes would end with McGarrett's catchphrase, Book em, Dano. Up next, we have The Streets of San Francisco, a television crime drama filmed on location in San Francisco and produced by Quinn Martin Productions, with the first season produced in association with Warner Brothers Television. QM then produced the show on its own for the remainder of its run. It starred Carl Malden and Michael Douglas as two homicide inspectors in San Francisco. The show ran for five seasons between 1972 and 1977 on ABC, amassing a total of 119 60-minute episodes. Douglas left the series at the start of its final season and was replaced by Richard Hatch. The series started with a pilot movie of the same title based on the 1972 detective novel Poor Poor Ophelia by Carolyn Weston. Edward Hume, who wrote the teleplay for the pilot, was credited as having developed the series based on characters in Weston's novel. The pilot featured guest stars Robert Wagner, Tom Bosley, and Kim Darby. The theme song for Streets of San Francisco The theme song for Streets of San Francisco was composed by Patrick Williams. Mm -hmm. 
Now that was an amazing theme, and like I said before, nearly all of the TV series of the past had catchy and or cool themes. For example, Adam-12. Adam-12 is a realistic police drama which followed two police officers of the Los Angeles Police Department, veteran officer Pete Malloy, played by Martin Milner, and his rookie partner, Jim Reed, played by Kent McCord. Each episode of the series was based on actual cases with names changed to protect the innocent and covered a variety of incidents that the officers encountered during a shift from the tragic to the trivial. The series was created by Robert A. Sindar and Jack Webb, the latter of whom also created Dragnet. The show was purported to realistically capture a typical day in the life of police officers, and it ran from September 21, 1968 through May 20th, 1975, and helped introduce police procedures and jargon to the general public in the U.S. Adam 12's theme was played by Frank Comstock. One Adam 12, one Adam 12, a 415 man with a gun. One Adam 12, no warrant. Lincoln X-ray item 483. One Adam 12, a 415 fight group with chains and knives.
That was the theme from Mannix, and before that we heard Adam-12. Another Lalo Schifrin theme here, Mannix was a detective television series that ran from 67 to 75 on CBS. It was created by Richard Levinson and William Link and developed by executive producer Bruce Geller. The title character, Joe Mannix, is a private investigator played by actor Mike Connors. During the first season of the series, Joe Mannix works for a large Los Angeles detective agency called Intertect, which was the planned original title of the show. His superior is Lou Wickersham, played by Joseph Campanella. Intertect uses computers to help solve crimes. As opposed to the other employees, Mannix belonged to the classic American detective archetype. Thus, he usually ignores the computer solutions, disobeys his boss's orders, and sets out to do things his own way. He wears plaid sports coats and has his own office that he keeps sloppy between his assignments. Lou has cameras in all the rooms of the Intertect offices, monitoring the performance of his employees and providing instant feedback through intercoms in the room. Unlike the other Intertect operatives, Mannix attempts to block the camera with a coat rack and questions Lou, comparing him to Big Brother. To improve the ratings of the show, Desilu had Lucille Ball and producer Bruce Geller made some changes, making the show similar to other private eye shows. Ball thought that the computers were too high-tech and beyond the comprehension of the average viewer of the time and had them removed. In the first episode of season two, Mannix explains that he had to quit Intertech. From the second season on, Mannix works on his own with the assistance of his loyal secretary, Peggy Fair, a police officer's widow played by Gail Fisher, one of the first black actresses to have a regular series role. He also has a working relationship with the Los Angeles Police Department as he often exchanges information with his contacts. The first of these to have a featured role was Lieutenant George Kramer, played by Larry Linville, who had been partnered with Peggy's late husband. Over the course of the series, Mannix's most frequently used contact is Lieutenant Art Malcolm, played by Ward Wood. Another semi-regular guest, although not as frequent, was Robert Reed, whose appearance as Lieutenant Adam Tobias coincided with his tenure on The Brady Bunch, which was also produced by Paramount Television. Okay, one of my favorite TV theme songs is from The Mod Squad, which was a crime drama series originally broadcast for five seasons on ABC from September 24th, 1968 to March 1st, 1973. It starred Michael Cole as Peter Pete Cochran, Peggy Lipton as Julie Bonds, Clarence Williams III as Lincoln Link Hayes, and Tige Andrews as Captain Adam Greer. The executive producers of the series were Aaron Spelling and Danny Thomas. The Counterculture Police series earned six Emmy Award nominations, four Golden Globe nominations plus one win for Peggy Lipton, one Directors Guild of America Award, and four Logies, which I have no idea what those are, but uh, hopefully they're not Logies. <laughs> In 1970, the second season episode in this corner, Saul Alpert, Script by Rita Lakin and Harv Bennett was nominated by the Mystery Writers of America for an Edgar Award in the category of Best Mystery Teleplay, losing to the TV movie Daughter of the Mind. In 1997, a 1970 episode Mother of Sorrow was ranked number 95 on TV Guide's 100 Greatest Episodes of All Time. They were the Mod Squad, one black, one white, one blonde, described by one critic as the hippest and first young undercover cop series on TV. Each of these characters represented mainstream culture's principal fears regarding youth in the era. Long-haired rebel Pete Cochran was evicted from his wealthy parents' Beverly Hills home, then arrested and put on probation after he stole a car. Lincoln Hayes, who came from a family of 13 children, was arrested in the Watts Riots, one of the longest and most violent riots in Los Angeles history. 
Flower child Julie Barnes, the canary with a broken wing, was arrested for vagrancy after running away from her prostitute mother's San Francisco home. And Captain Adam Greer was a tough but sympathetic mentor and father figure who convinced them to form the squad. The concept was to take three rebellious, disaffected young social outcasts and convince them to work as unarmed, undercover detectives as an alternative to being incarcerated. Their youthful, hippie personas would enable them to get close to the criminals they investigated. The times are changing, said Captain Greer. They can get into places we can't. Examples included infiltrations of a high school to solve a teacher's murder, of an underground newspaper to find a bomber, and of an acting class to look for a strangler who was preying on blonde actresses. More than a year before the release of the film Easy Rider, the Mod Squad was one of the earliest attempts to deal with the counterculture. Groundbreaking in the realm of socially relevant drama, it dealt with issues such as abortion, domestic violence, child abuse, illiteracy, slumlords, the anti-war movement, illegal immigration, police brutality, student protests, soldiers returning from Vietnam and PTSD, racism, euthanasia, and the illegal drug trade. Spelling intended the show to be about characters' relationships and promised that the squad would never arrest kids or carry a gun or use one. The show was loosely based on creator Bud Buddy Ruskin's experiences in the late 1950s as a squad leader for young undercover narcotics cops, though it took almost 10 years after he wrote a script for the idea to be greenlit by ABC Television Studios. Okay, our final theme today is from the Green Hornet television series. The Green Hornet was an action TV series that aired on ABC in, in the 1966-67 to 67 television season, starring Van Williams as the Green Hornet slash Britt Reed and Bruce Lee as Cato. It was produced and narrated by William Dozier. The single season series premiered September 9, 1966 and ran through March 17, 1967, lasting 26 episodes. ABC repeated the series after its cancellation by the network until July 14th of 1967 when The Green Hornet had its last broadcast on network TV. With the later success of Lee as a premier star of martial arts film, the series has become a cult favorite. Playboy bachelor and media mogul Britt Reid is the owner and publisher of the Daily Sentinel newspaper, but as the masked vigilante The Green Hornet, he fights crime with the assistance of his martial arts expert partner Cato and his weapon-enhanced car, a custom imperial called the Black Beauty. On police records, the Green Hornet is a wanted criminal, but in reality, the Green Hornet is masquerading as a criminal so that he can infiltrate and battle criminal gangs, leaving them and the incriminating evidence for police arrival. Beyond Cato, Britt's dual identity is only known to his secretary, Lenore Casey Case, and District Attorney Frank P. Scanlon. Britt's motive for fighting crime was explained on screen. 
His father had died in prison after having been framed for a crime he did not commit. The character had originated as the star of a radio series from the 1930s to the 1950s and had previously been adapted to movie serials, comic books, and other media. Owing in part to George W. Trendle and Frank Stryker having created all the central characters and developed the core formats of both radio shows, Britt Reed shares the same family name as the Lone Ranger, as Britt's father had been the Lone Ranger's nephew, Dan Reed. The Green Hornet was also made into an action comedy movie in 2011, starring Seth Rogen, Jay Chu, and Christoph Waltz. And that was really well done. Even though it's, it's a bit of a comedy, it's very much in the spirit of the original Green Hornet, and I thought it did very well. I highly recommend you not only watching the TV series, but checking out that movie as well. Well, that's all the time we have today on Then Is Now. If you have any classic TV theme songs that you'd like to hear on our next installment of TV Themes, or you want to send us your thoughts on today's episode, drop us a line at thenisnow42 at gmail.com, or let us know on our Then Is Now Facebook page. Don't forget to check out our sister show, The East Meets the West, in which we discuss spaghetti westerns and Shaw Brothers movies, which can be found at Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever you download your podcasts. Please go to those podcast sites and give us a great review, as that will help expand our audience. And don't forget to visit havenpodcasts.com to keep up to date on all our shows and check out some other fun stuff. We're going to leave you with the theme from The Green Hornet. The Now Podcast is intended for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during this podcast are the property of their copyright holders. All original content is copyright Jupiter Media.